this pulpit. She is hungry. Look at this. Come on. Will you give her a big welcome as she comes, Maisie? Thank you, Pastor. Go for it. If you need a move, I want you to sing with me. I need a move. I need a move. If you don't sing, you don't want to move. I need a move. I need a move. Can I tell you sometimes there's a simple prayer like this that God loves? I need a move. I need a move. I know I need a move here, standing here. I need a move. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I just want to say thank you. I praise you, I worship you, I glorify your name for giving me the privilege and the honor to speak on your behalf, Lord. Lord, I ask you to soak each one of us in the precious blood of Jesus, including myself. Lord, I ask you to purify me. Make me a pure vessel for you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask you for the refining fire to refine me and baptize me once again with a fresh fire and a power to do what you have called me to do in the name of Jesus. Spirit of the living God within me, move in the prophetic, move in the word of knowledge, move in the teaching, move in the preaching, Lord. Anoint my whole being, anoint my lips, captivate my heart, captivate my mind, captivate my thoughts, captivate my lips, and bring them under submission and control of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, every word that comes out of my mouth, Lord, let it be anointed, and let it be a double-edged sword to penetrate to our hearts, our minds, our spirit, our souls, and bring a change in the name of Jesus. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus of Nazareth, I come against every distraction right now in the name of Jesus. I come against a wandering mind right now in the name of Jesus. I come against any interruption in the name of Jesus. I mute the voice of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I ask you to fine tune our senses to hear what you want to say to us, including myself, in Jesus' mighty and holy name, we have prayed. Amen. Every year, in the beginning of every year, I love to seek the Lord to find out what he has for me throughout the year. And ever since I've learned to seek the Lord, I've seen that everything that he has said come to pass throughout the year. And he is faithful. Amen. So this year, as I was seeking the Lord in January and was asking him, Lord, what is it about 2020? What is it in this year for me? What is it in this year for the church? What is it, Lord, that you want me to do? What is it that you don't want me to do? How do you want me to go? How do you want me to move? What do you want in my life? What do you want to take away from my life? And he gave me a few things that I love to share, not everything. Amen. Because some things are for me. So, the first thing he said, 2020, 2020 is a year of double-double. Amen? It is a year of redemption. It is a year of change. 20 is a number of redemption. So, God is redeeming back his people. God is redeeming back everything that the enemy stole from us. God, it's a year of harvest. So if you see, there's a harvest of souls, but the laborers are few. So it's a year of double harvest. It is a year that everything that the enemy stole from you, that God himself will bring it back to you in the name of Jesus. 
But today, what God put in my heart to teach, to preach, to share is change. It's a year of change. Now, what does it mean to change? Now, if we notice with Elim on the day of inauguration, Pastor John showed different pictures of where Elim began. And if we were still there in that little, little place that they wouldn't be, we wouldn't be here today. So as much as that was beautiful at that time, and then the next stage and the next stage, this is still good. But something this morning told me that God, if we are faithful in this little, that God will give us bigger things. And what I looked at is the Wimbledon Theater, right in the heart of Wimbledon. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I hope somebody remembers this. This is what God put in my heart. I could be right or wrong, but this is what it is. Amen. So, and in my workplace, there have been changes. Um, as some of you know, that from the traditional bank, it went to a chrysalis bank, and it was uncomfortable for, uncomfortable for me to adjust to a chrysalis branch, which is all digital. As some of you know, I'm not a favorite of digital, but I love to learn. I adapt. So, when they chose me to be part of the chrysalis branch, I asked my manager, point blank, are you sure you want me? Because I'm not very digital. Do you prefer the younger ones who are more digital? She said, no, Maisie, I believe you can because you are a learner. You're a keen learner, and I know you can do it. And so I adapted to the whole thing, and everything was comfortable for me uh, from the month of December last year. And everything was going so smoothly, suddenly... Everybody says, suddenly, God changed it again. So in December, before I went to Sri Lanka, they sent us on a one-day course. They introduced this thing called Salesforce. And they didn't tell me that I'm going on that course because they know how daunted I get about these things. So I go on this course, and the full day was nothing but Salesforce. A few days later, I fly off. So Salesforce was out of my brain come January. I hadn't, didn't have a clue. And uh, suddenly when I came back, the manager, after a week, she said, Maisie, I think we need to observe how you're getting along with Salesforce. And I said to the manager, I said, I'm very honest. So I just said to Leila, I said, you know, to be honest, I don't think you need to observe me. You need to help me. Because I learned it and I got it within a day, but it's gone off my head. So you need to help me and I will learn. So she sat down with me and helped me and I learned. So change. Change is good. Turn to your neighbor and say, change is good. Now, what is change? Change is an act or event or a process through which something or someone becomes different. And why is it change important for us as Christians? If we don't change within ourselves, if things don't change around us, if there was no change from the building to Wimbledon Chase, to Pelham, to here, we wouldn't experience the goodness of the Lord. Amen? Amen? So it is important as Christians that God wants to bring a change around us, but also within us. Change can be good, can be different. But why is change important? Change is important for us to see and have and experience the best that God has for us. Secondly, change is important to be in the will and purpose of God. Because if you're not in the will and purpose of God, you won't experience the best that God has for you. The third is to grow and become like Jesus Christ in how we respond and act. And if we trust and allow God to change us, 
So we need to trust and allow. We can trust but not allow. Hold on to that. If we trust and allow God to change us and to make changes in our lives, sometimes we say, Lord, we need a change, but we don't allow him to come inside our space. We are promised in Romans 8.28 that all things work out for some good for those who love him for a purpose. Whether it be good or bad, change is always good in the eyes of God. Change builds character and the character of Christ. We displayed, displayed the fruit of the Holy Spirit through changes. If we don't display the fruit, not the fruits, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, there's segments, love, joy, peace, endurance, long-suffering. If we don't display those, then we are still in the process of God building our character, which means God has to change us, and we have to allow the change. Amen? There is always going to be a guarantee in life that change will happen. Whether internally, externally, around us, change is always going to be. Why? Because we are with Christ. We are in relationship with Christ. We are on the potter's wheel and he's going round and round and round and round and round and round. That's called change. Amen? Amen. Now, change is fearful. I know some, I get scared. When I'm, when, I'm in, when I'm in a comfort zone, I don't want to change. I'm happy. Change is fearful, change is daunting, change can be challenging, change can be exciting, change can be painful, change can be uncomfortable. Change. It is that, you see, change, sometimes God wants to change. One of the most challenging things in life of a human being is change. We're so used to like, oh, I'm happy now. Thank you, Jesus. Just when you say you're happy, he shifts you. Amen? And, and you know what? We tend to fear and become anxious because we do not feel in control of life. It is sometimes the fear of the unknown. What if? What if I do this? What if I give up? What if I resign? What if I move house? What if? Just a question. In order to find meaningful change in our lives as Christians, as born-again Christians who are in relationship with God, we need God to direct us. Then only we'll see the best that God has for us because we're allowing God to be in the equation. Then only we will see the will and purpose of God coming to pass. So we cannot leave God out of this change that we want to happen in us, for us, around us. Amen? We have changed in our ways. God wants our change in our ways. We are happy with change with a new car, a new house, a new church, but a new church needs new ways. Amen? New character to adjust to the new things that God wants us to do. We cannot mix the old and the new. Amen? A new job will need new training. New business will need new knowledge. New friendships. Sometimes we hold on to friendships 
that don't allow us to grow, that are not interested in the best for us. They are holding us back. We need to be able to let go when God says let go. Amen. Psalm 32 verse 8 says, I will instruct you the way you should go. If you want to change, ask God. But the most important thing is obedience is key to change. If Pastor John said, I'm not surrendering that building, that building is our building. It's my building. It's Elim's. If he didn't surrender that building, we wouldn't be here today. Amen? So it's surrendering to the will of God. As human beings, we can hold on to things that are not fruitful in our lives. Amen? Now, God wants us also to change our ways. From time to time, we see all areas in our lives that we struggle with, and especially hidden sin, areas that nobody knows but you only, areas that we wish we could be different. When you're in that area, you wish you could be different. As a child of God, you always wish it would be different, but sometimes it's hard and you cannot handle it yourself. Areas that we say, I wish I didn't do this again. Or I wish I could come out of this. Or I wish I didn't have this struggle within. All of us have struggles. If anybody doesn't, they're lying. Because Romans 7.14 talks about the struggles. There are two forces within us. One says, I want to do the good I want to, ought to do, but I, I want to do, I want to do, but I, I try to do it and I can't. And then I succumb to something. And oh dear Lord, what a wretchful person I am. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. So how does God want us to approach these areas of change? How does God change us in these areas? How can we make that change? Only through and by his grace and through Jesus Christ. So if you try it on your own, you will always find yourself failing. But if you come honestly, openly to Jesus, he will help you. Amen. It is that quality in the heart of God that causes God not to deal with us according to our sins, our failures, weaknesses, but through his grace and mercy. We just have to be in a relationship with God. Because if you're in a relationship with somebody, you will talk to that person. If you're not in a relationship with that person, you won't be talking to that person. So if you're not in that relationship with God, that true intimate relationship, I'm talking about intimacy, intimate relationship with God, you will find that change taking place within you, around you, for you, because you're communicating to him through prayer, through your cry, through your tears, through pain, and he's talking to you. Amen? So we need to be in that deep relationship. We must come to him in truth and humility, acknowledging and rather than hide from him. And you know what? Just like Adam and Eve, when they knew they did wrong, they hid from God. But God says, Adam, where are you? You think God didn't know where he was? He did. But he just wanted to tell him that you can come back to me. Adam was in hiding. Sometimes when you know something is not right, you're in hiding. But God doesn't want you to hide. He wants you to come to him in truth and humility rather than hide from him. We must come to him with honesty. We must be honest to our God. He's not a Hitler. He's a loving God. We must come to him with honesty and faith in him that he will always do the right thing for us through change. 
He will never do harm because Jeremiah 29, 11 says, the plans I have for you are good and not for harm. So trust him that he will never do harm even if it is painful. That pain is good pain. Amen? I've had times where so many changes have taken place in my life. Job changes. Changes in my whole life. Some of you know how I went through brokenness and how God picked me up. I remember when God told me about these changes. He gives you signs about these changes. But I didn't know the voice of God. And I was scared also to make that change, to be honest. But sometimes when you reach rock bottom, you have no choice but to make a change. Amen? A couple of years now, the children went. People came. People went. And sometimes you just got to allow that. Just allow it. Go with the flow. Go with the flow of the Holy Spirit. Go with the flow with Jesus. It's good. It's cruising with him. He'll take you on a wonderful cruise for the best. Amen? 2 Peter 3, 9. And I'm reading from the easy-to-read version because... I want to read easily. No, it is easy. It is day-to-day. It is practical. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not being slow in doing what he promised. I'm changing it a bit. The Lord is not being slow, which means he's quick in doing what he promised. The way some people understand slowness. But God is being patient with you and me. He doesn't want any one of us to be lost. He wants everyone, including myself, to change our ways and to stop sinning, to stop doing wrong. Sometimes we know God is waiting for us to change. We want God to change our situation. Sometimes we ask God, oh, change my husband, change my children, change my boss, change my pastor, (laughs) change my leader, change so-and-so. And God is saying, I can do that easily, but I want you to change. What? Yeah, I want you to change. Say that again, Lord. I want you to change. I remember in when I, one of the lowest days in my life, myself and the children, we were full of anger. We were full of pain, anger, resentment. And so hurting people hurt people. So we were shouting and yelling. So we're very much a shouting and yelling family. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. And so I started praying to the Lord. I'm praying, Mom, and I always prayed. And I said, Lord, change my children. Change and change and change. And do you know sometimes we can just pray and not listen? We're just going on, but just not stopping to listen. And so I said, Lord, change. Do this, Lord, and do this. And in the name of Jesus, and in the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the fire of the Holy Ghost, and everything. And then I stopped. And the Lord said, I need you to change. And I said, oh, I need you to love them. And I said, but I love them, Lord. I, I provide for them. I feed them. I teach them. I take them to school. No. He said, I want you to show them love. I said, Lord, but I show them love. He said, no, I want you to be gentle with them. I want you to talk to them with love. I want you to just talk to them the way I would talk to them. I appointed you as my, as my carer for the children, but they are my children. 
They're my property. They're kingdom property. I asked the Lord then the grace for me to change rather than them to change. And when I began the change and stopped yelling, they were shocked. And they began to change. And now we reached a point where in our family where we cannot tolerate shouting and yelling. We have to communicate. If we are angry, the best walk away and come back when you cool down. Amen? Amen. Ecclesiastes 3 talks about change. And I want you to, in your to- own time to read it. It talks about a time when you are poor, when you're rich, when you're, when, you're, when you're in sorrow, when you're in joy. Please take time to read because there are seasons that God takes us through and nothing is strange. If you're in that season, you're in God's hands. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. So if you still got the stinking habits, then you got to really ask God for grace to change those habits. Amen. Romans 12, 2 says, renew your minds daily, daily. Our minds have to be renewed daily. If we eat daily, we need to read the word daily. The the change takes place through the word because the word is God. Amen. I'm just going to give you five points that help us in change in life. One is walk circumspectly. Ephesians 5, 15 says, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That means carefully, cautiously. Don't just drift around. Don't aimlessly walk through life. Walk with a purpose. Amen? Number two, walk as children of light. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So if we are followers of Christ, we have to walk in light and have no trace of darkness within us in the name of Jesus. The third one, redeem the time, which means spend time wisely. Ephesians 5.16 says, spend time wisely. I mean that you should use every opportunity for doing good because these are evil times. Stop spending time on pointless pursuits. So this is, let's speak to us in the name of Jesus. Number four, know the will of God. Understand your purpose. Quite often we say, I don't know the will of God. I don't know my purpose. Ephesians 5, 7, 7 says, so don't be foolish with your lives, but learn what the Lord wants you to do. Not what you want to do, what the Lord wants you to do. You might ask me how. Do I know my will, your will for me or for yourself? What is my purpose? Seek him. Jeremiah 29, 12, 13 says, Seek, if you seek me with all of your heart, all of your heart, not part of your heart, all of your heart, that means complete surrender, you will find, I will find you. You will find him. He will talk to you. The problem is we don't ask him. We ask 50-50, phone a friend, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everybody. We will ask everybody but him. And then we get the wrong answers, do the wrong things, and then we come back to ask him, Lord, what should I do now? Amen? But thank God for Jesus, he allows U-turns. The fifth point is pray, hear, follow. Pray. Pray first. Hear next. After you hear, follow the instruction. 
It doesn't matter what he says, follow. Knowing is one thing, doing is another. Okay, we can know a lot on from this pulpit. There's so much that we are fed. But we can take it and say, yeah, good message. Well done, pastor. Thank you. But do nothing about it. There's no change. Amen? We are not supposed to be doers, hearers of the word, but also doers of the world. Word, because the Bible says in James 1.22 that we are deceiving ourselves. We're not deceiving anybody. Amen? I want to go to Luke 15. I don't know what the time. Okay. I'm going to go to Luke 15 about the prodigal son. And I'm just going to prophetically move in this, uh, in this scripture. And I'm reading from the easy-to-read version, the story about the two sons. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to the father, Give me now the part of your property that I'm supposed to receive someday. So the father divided his wealth between his two sons. A few days later, the younger son gathered up all that he had and left. He traveled far away to another country, and there he wasted his money living like a fool. Inheritance is after somebody dies. Inheritance is a blessing. But the son asked the inheritance before the father died. Was it a blessing? Did he seek God in that scripture? Are we in a place where we haven't seeked God? We're about to do something. We want to do something that you're supposed to do later? Or have you already done something and you're in your place, you are in a place that you know that you haven't sought God first and now you are here? Just a question. Or you know it's right and you're gone because you know it's right and it's peaceful. Or you want to change a job because of the manager, because of the circumstance. You want to leave church. And I'm talking to myself because I always have to talk to God before I do anything. Are you planning to leave church because of circumstance? Because of an offense? Or, I know I've done it once. I went to a church that God did not tell me to be. But I went because of offense and God has taught me a lot since then. And still teaching me. I thought it was fine. Then things happened. God showed me certain things and he caused a turbulence and threw me out peacefully 
Just a question. Because when you don't ask God first and you take what you want to take or go where you want to go or be where you want to be or do what you want to do, the Bible says you become foolish. You become foolish because you haven't consulted God. God is not in the business of making you foolish. God is not in the business of bringing shame. God's in the business of bringing honor and double honor too. Amen? So he went far away. When you do things that are not in alignment to God's will, or you haven't asked God first, you will be far away from the Father. Your relationship with God will be affected. You will try your best to work things out. Because with God, you don't have to try your best. He does it for you. But if you are far away, you have gone far away doing your own thing, you have to work hard at being at that place. He had to work hard. He had to go and find another job when he wasted all his money. You have to work hard just to keep that decision of yours going. Because it is not God's decision. So you're there because you've positioned yourself. You haven't consulted God. You're working hard to keep it. You're working hard to be there. You're working hard. And nothing is happening. Nothing happened. In fact, he lost everything. Are you in the place where you're losing things? Are you in a place where you're losing your identity, you're losing your self-respect, you're losing wealth, you're losing something? Because you're in the wrong place. Because you didn't ask God. Because you did it your own way. Just a question. Verse 14. After he spent everything he had, there was a terrible famine throughout the country. He was hungry. He needed money. So he went and got a job with one of the people who lived there. The men sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He was so hungry that he wanted to eat the food of the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So although he went to work, he tried hard to work it out. He sweated it out. He still didn't have food to eat. But when the son realized how foolish he had been. So God brings us to a place of realization. He's ne he never leaves us there. He brings us to a place of realization. There are things that can happen. He will show us signs. He, he lost his job. He lost his money. He went to find a job. That job did not feed him. All these are signs. What signs do you have in your life? Because I know that I was in a different place, unknowingly, excited about being somewhere without asking God. And I didn't know God the way I know now. And God, in, you know, in the, in the initial stages of my years in that place, it all seemed fine. Sometimes it seems fine. 
But over the years, there were signs. And then the Lord reminded me of the signs even before. And then the Lord gave me instructions, but fear came up and I couldn't move. Fear stops you from moving. And so I went on and I tried hard to work it out. I prayed hard for a change. Sometimes we pray for a change and change doesn't take place. Is that a sign? And change didn't take place. Seven years. Is God so long that he cannot do that change? Yes, he could. But he wanted me to change the situation rather than him to change the situation. So I reached rock bottom. And God met me to make that change that is beyond me to be what I am today. Because change is for the purpose of God and for the best Change is always for the best in God's eyes. Amen? There was pain, but pain has a purpose. Amen? So he realized, and he, you see, when you come to realization, God puts certain thoughts. You start remembering things. And I started remembering certain things. So he started remembering. And he said, all my fathers, hired workers have plenty of food. But here I am, almost dead, because I have nothing to eat. I will live. I will live now and go to my father. So God wants us to be to the place of real realization, but also be bold enough to come back to the father. I was looking at this scripture right from the beginning to the end. The father was not angry. When the son asked him for his inheritance, he wasn't angry. Towards the end, he wasn't angry. He, our father, our God, the father, doesn't change. But he's waiting for us to change. Amen? And so, be bold enough to go to the father if you're in the wrong place. Be bold enough. Because he's waiting with arms open wide, waiting for you to come back. I thought I messed it up. I thought that was the end. Shame and disgrace come up, came upon my life in every form of way. From the church where I was, to the friends around, to family. And I thought, that is the end. But it was the beginning. This prodigal son brought Shame to himself because of his action. But the father did not abandon him. God will never abandon us. God, he just wants us to be bold enough. Don't let fear, don't let the enemy say, what if you do this? I had the enemy constantly telling me, and it took seven years to do that. It's because the enemy can't say, what, what will your family say? What will your friends say? What, you won't be able to support your children. You won't be able to make it. It was the lies of the enemy. Don't listen. Listen to the voice of God who tells you, pick yourself up. Go. Come back to me. Come to the Father. Come to the Father. And he came to the Father boldly. It is so important to come to the Father boldly and say, Lord, have mercy on me. I messed up. I left where I was and I didn't even ask you. And I came and I positioned myself and I did what I wanted to do. But I didn't ask you, Lord. So please have mercy on me. Please, Lord. I did it my way, not your way. 
And Jesus, the Father, his Father, our Jesus, our Father, is merciful. He's never mad at us. He's madly in love with us, waiting for us to do a change in our lives, to make us over, to take away the shame and give us double honor, to take away everything that the enemy meant for harm and turn it out for his good. Amen? Don't be scared. Don't be scared to come to the Father. Don't be scared to acknowledge your wrong. Pride keeps us from acknowledging. Humility helps us to come to Jesus. And Jesus wants us to be humble. Jesus himself was humble. 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 God. He was God, yet he was humble that God exalted him. Humility exalts. Amen? He said, I'm long not, he even said, I'm not worthy to be called your son. But let me be like your hired workers. So he left and went to his father. While the son was still a long way off. God wants you to know that. In your sinful nature, in your mess, in your dirtiness, when you're far away from him, he wants you. He will accept you. You know, quite often we want somebody to change before we accept them. God doesn't expect us to change before we are accepted. If you do this, then I'll do this. If you do this, if you do this, it's all manipulation. God doesn't manipulate. You see, so although the son was a long way off, his father saw his coming. God sees you coming. God sees you coming. God sees you coming from that place where you've made mistakes, from that place of sin, from that place. He sees you coming. It's okay. Come. Come to the Father. He wants to celebrate your coming because he wants to show you the change he can do for you and in you, through you. It's only when I made a change, took an action, I saw a change. The day I took an action, let me share with you. Few people know about the abusive relationships, but I used to hide every sharp object before I went to sleep so that myself and the children would be safe. And I would sleep about three o'clock and wake up at five o'clock to go to work and to get the children going. The day I made a change, I took a decision. We slept. And I woke up in the morning and I asked my son, I said, Michael, how was it? He said, Mom, it was like a holiday. And from then till today, the three of us value our peace. So if you find me very weird and walk away from any nonsense, I value my peace. I will not confront you, but I will walk away from you. Because I value my peace. That peace was purchased by Jesus. Amen. So when the father saw him coming, he felt sorry for him. God's compassion. God's compassionate. He's not angry with you when you make a mistake. He wants you to come to him. 
with, and his compassionate heart, his merciful heart, his graceful heart. He's just waiting. He will not even ask you, why have you done it? We will ask somebody, what have you done? We will ask our children. We have got no right to ask and throw back that sin nature or anything at the person because God doesn't throw it at our face. And we forget where we came from and we throw it at somebody else where we forget where God showed us mercy. Let's be careful of that. So he ran and hugged him and kissed him. And the son said, Father, he's still, rem he's still reminding himself and he's still trying to tell, Oh God, I've done this. God and God, I've done it. And he's not listening to what the father is trying to show him. Love, compassion, mercy. He said, Father, I've sinned against God and I've done wrong to you. I'm not long, no longer worthy. But God makes us worthy. Right now, the enemy could be telling you, you're not worthy. You are not worthy. See what you've done. See where you go. See what you're still doing. The enemy, is an, he loves to accuse. He loves to remind you of madness. Even if you do it one minute ago, I want to tell you that God is waiting for you to come now. But the father said to his servants, hurry, bring the best of clothes, put it. He celebrated him. God will celebrate you when you come back to him. Open your, give him that opportunity. Test and see that the Lord is good. Test him, not taste him. Test him this time. Amen. Now that's the change the younger son made. Very quickly, the older son had to make a change. Now, the older son had been out in the field. When he came near the house, he heard all the parting. He heard everything. He was angry. He was angry and would not go to the party. Can I tell you something? We have to be careful when a repentant person comes and God celebrates and elevates. Because you don't know when that person has repented. You may never know. But when you see the person who has done harm to you, has repented, and God has celebrated and elevated, be careful not to be envious. Be careful not to be angry because God wants a change in your heart too. Amen? I'll just share a testimony. Uh, we were praying for my ex, as you know, long time, for a long time. He gave his life to Christ. He he went to Bible college. He's a minister in a different church. Three weeks ago, my son got engaged. And when he got engaged, I met my ex after a long time. And, you know, I've got nothing in my heart. I forgave him, pr prayed for him, and wished the best. And every day of my life, I love to pray for my enemies. They're not enemies, enemies. So if you're an enemy, you get more prayers. So I pray, and I prayed for him, Lord, bless him. Bless him with the desires of his heart. Bless him with what he wants every day. Bless him, bless him, bless him. And when I met him, and it was so peaceful. Because you know when you bless your enemies, you're at peace. And I got to know that he got engaged. He's getting married. He's in the ministry. And I was so happy for him. Would you be able to be happy for the person who's really hurt you? That's the change of heart of the second son. So I'm telling you this, why? 
I can be honest with you that if I was angry with him, if I didn't pray with him, pray for him, I didn't wish him the blessings when I saw him, I would have been, hmm, you're engaged, you're married, you are on the pulpit, you are preaching. And the Lord told me, Maisie, he's going to ask you to drop you home. I want you to accept the lift to make your total peace and closure with him. And you know what? It wasn't difficult. Why? Because I totally released him. And I'm not saying this to glorify myself and I'm some big saint. It takes grace. It takes grace. I used to ask God, give me the grace. Bless him, Lord. Bless him the way because he became very bitter towards us. We were being blessed. He became very bitter. And I said, Lord, bless him the way you're blessing us. Bless him with a house. Bless him with a car. Bless him with some. So he got a car. He got a car and he got a wife. And you know what? It's, it takes grace. Amen? I don't know what, how God has spoken to you today. I know he spoke to me through this passage. Because I asked the Lord before my birthday. I went into a time of fast and prayer. And I want all that God has for me. And I want the purpose of God in my life to come to pass. I've walked this walk for a very long time. Gone through a lot. I don't want to give up now. And I said, Lord. I went into a time of fast and prayer. And I said, Lord, slain the giants within me. Get, move the mountains within me. Take away anything and everything and everything that is coming in the way of what you want to do in this birthday year of mine. Because I know he promised certain things. But when he promised certain things, they won't just come easy. I have to cooperate with him. I have to yield to him. So are we going to open our hearts to cooperate with the Lord? Are we going to open our hearts to cooperate with this change? When we individually, when we allow God, when we open our hearts and say, Lord, I surrender. And not be scared. When, you ask, when a little child comes to ask a daddy to carry me, he doesn't get scared that the daddy is going to throw her or fling her across. Unless he's a funny dad. But trust the dad that even if you throw her up and catch, then know that daddy is going to catch me. So I want you to know today, if there's anything that you want God to change, if you want God to change, and if you want the circumstance to change, you want the situation to change, it's up to you. God won't force you. It's up to you to come to him and say, Lord, it doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter how long you've been. I was there in that in, for 16 years, not one year. Not two years, not three years, 16. And the enemy kept whispering that I'm waste, I wasted my life. No, I haven't. God has given me beauty for ashes. God has frozen my age and he's given me life again. And I know I'm going to run for the Lord for the rest of my life, which is a very long life. But you need to have faith. You need to believe that when you come there, it's okay. And, you know, don't worry about what the naysayers. Don't worry about shame. Don't worry about... I just didn't... I ignored everybody who was, who was looking at me differently because I knew what God, how God looked at me. You need to be so strong enough to know who you are and whose you are. I know I'm Maisie, but I know whose I am. I know I'm the child of the, of the living God. I know I'm the, I'm the daughter of Christ. I know I am the holy one, the righteous one. Are you confident enough to say whose you are? So if anybody says, Maisie, you are this, I just keep quiet because I know who I am 
and I know whose I am. I don't have to argue. I don't have to fight because God has fought the battle for me. Okay? Can we stand up and pray? The Holy Spirit has spoken. It's up to you to obey. It's up to you to open your heart to know that this God that you're in relationship with is a beautiful God, is a loving God who wants a change in your life for the best, for the purpose of God. And he wants you to give the best to you. The best has yet to come. You have not seen the best, but it's up to you to want the best. It's up to you to come to him, to the throne of grace and say, Lord, yes, Lord, it's me that you were talking to. Don't look at me as Maisie. I'm just speaking here on behalf of God. And God spoke to me that I asked the Lord to slay the giants within me that are going to hold me back for the next season in my life because I know that I know that I know that God is taking me somewhere. Amen? Change is good. Change takes us forward. Change takes us into our destiny. Change takes us into our purpose. Change, change takes us into the will of God. Change takes us from glory to glory. Change takes us, takes us somewhere with God. Don't hold back. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you. I praise you. I worship you. I glorify your name in this place. Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking. Holy Spirit, do what you have to do. Soften our hardened hearts. Soften our hardened hearts. Open our hearts, Lord. Give us the grace to yield to your change that you want to make in us. Give us the grace to cooperate with you, Lord, including myself, Lord. Give us the grace to be honest with you. Give us the grace to, be, to come to you truthfully and with humility, Lord. Give us the grace to have a contrite heart. Lord, I know you are here with us. None of us are here by mistake, including myself, Lord. We've come here because we want to change, Lord. We've come here because only you can make that change. We've come here because we are nothing without you. Lord, we surrender all to you. We truly surrender this time, Lord. We've said we surrendered, but we didn't really, Lord. But this time, Lord, we truly surrender to you. Have your way. Have your way in your life, in our lives. Thank you for opening up your arms to us, Lord. Thank you that you don't beat us up with shame and disgrace, but you turn it around and give us double honor. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.